welcome back to another edition of Lightshed Live. You're probably already aware of Apple's new emergency service that is enabled in the new iPhone 14, and that they are using on satellites from GlobalStar to enable that. You may have also caught the announcement by SpaceX and T-Mobile when CEOs Elon Musk and Mike Sievert got on stage to promise their own plans for satellite connectivity to T-Mobile phones. Well, not surprisingly, they are not the only companies launching satellites to make sure your cell phone connects in more locations. In this latest Lightshed Live, we talked to private company Lynx, which plans to initially launch four LEO satellites. And if it can raise $100 million, another 50 to generate what it describes as a cell site in the sky. We spoke with CEO Charles Miller about his goals, his challenges, the market opportunity, the regulatory hurdles, whether short messaging service is enough, and why this all seems to be happening now. One programming note. During the conversation, Charles and I both implied that Apple service with GlobalStar was one way. However, the video that Apple released appears to suggest otherwise. Take a listen to this clip from Apple's launch event earlier this month. You answer basic questions about your emergency. Live, on-screen directions will then guide you to connect to a nearby satellite. Mountain Rescue, we've received a distress signal. Emergency dispatchers receive your answers along with your location and medical ID and will respond via text to start a conversation with you. So we got that wrong. And interestingly, that seems to confirm that not only is Global Star's S-band spectrum in the iPhone, as we previously reported, but the L-band spectrum is in there as well. That has positive implications for other L-band spectrum owners, which we can address at a later date. But for now, on with the program. And I hope you learn a little more about links and the future of satellite connectivity to your phone. Enjoy. So welcome everyone to our latest edition of Lightshed Live. Um, today we're looking at the connectivity market, specifically satellite connectivity. And we have CEO Charles Miller with us from Lynx Global. He has a long history in the satellite industry. As many of you know, there's been you know, a lot of high profile companies that have talked about connecting cell phones to satellites, specifically Apple, including this connectivity in their latest iPhone 14 announcement. A week prior to that, Elon Musk um, announcing something with T-Mobile we could talk about later. Um, but obviously prior to that, there's other companies that have been looking to address, you know, this need in the market, AST-Mobile for one, um, and Lynx Global who have all, who have similar, but I'm sure as Charles will say <laughs> or describe, um, different strategies. So I think it's it's obviously very timely to do this. Um, so Charles, thanks for joining us. But first of all, can you just, let's start with kind of framing up what the end game is here. What are we trying to accomplish in terms of creating this constellation? What is the service? Not what what happens in year one or year two, but if all goes well, the financing happens, the full constellation's up if you ever plan to get to the I think you're authorized for 5,000 uh, of your satellites. What is the service that you that you want to deliver? Well, I think that's rather straightforward. So we have a powerful, very simple in game. 
every almost everybody on the planet who's an adult has this about 95 percent of american adults have a mobile phone in their pocket the end game is that you stay connected everywhere in the planet no matter what and that uh, you get all the services you expect from your mobile wireless device everywhere no matter what so that's the end game and uh, a few years ago when we invented the technology uh, over five years ago um, people just thought that was impossible so the the first thing we had to solve was uh you know people's uh conventional wisdom was just wrong the physics was very clear physics works and that you can connect a standard ordinary mobile phone two ways uh, everywhere on the planet and that's using satellites so Obviously, satellite phones exist. Iridium and Global Star have phones that connect with satellites, but those are specialized devices. Mm -hmm. I recall years and years ago, um, a company, Terrastar, um, which I believe that spectrum is now with, with Dish, um, also we're, we're co-developing a chip with Qualcomm. Yeah. And what the FCC said is like, look, if you want to use this spectrum for terrestrial, which has great value, you also have to make it connect to satellites. Did I, I seem to remember visiting Bob Rumley, who was the CEO of Terrastar and who brought that company into existence is a good friend and a, an advisor to link. Yeah. So, um, you know, they they uh, they had their satellites in geo geosynchronous orbit, very high altitude, very big antenna. And and they had a couple problems. People didn't want to buy the special phone. Um, and it was limited. They their geosynchronous satellite that cost them a billion dollars to, to build had a capacity limit of fifty thousand phones simultaneously. It's all it could serve, and so it um, that the technology worked, and it just uh, it didn't make it. It was not a good business because people wanted to use their existing phone, right? Not the TerraStar phone. And uh, and there was also, you know, capacity limits. And uh, so it's, uh, you know, technology work didn't make a good business case. Same thing with Iridium and Global Star. They, you know, people want to use their existing phone that they go to their either Apple or Android or go to their Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile store. They want to use those devices and and or the existing device and they want to stay connected everywhere right they're saying what saying why not so that that did not answer the question anything that has you create a a different device than what you're currently using has a lot of market friction and so that's what link solved over five years ago right how do you make the existing standard ordinary mobile phone that's already in your pocket without any change not software or hardware how do you keep that connected everywhere? And that was the problem that Link solved, uh, that we uh, have now the patents in 55 countries, and we've proven the technology uh, in space. And they're actually doing connecting standard ordinary mobile phones today in 12 different countries. We're testing in 12 countries for this service. So the, so the key thing um, that I think you've identified is what uh, many people that follow me know I've talked a lot about, which is Spectrum. And you know, Qualcomm as a company has enabled the use of a variety of spectrum bands in the phones. So that's been a technology development. We'll get into the fact that Leos are closer to Earth. That's been a technology development. Not that Leos didn't exist before, but obviously cheaper to launch now, thanks to SpaceX and others. Um, maybe cheaper to manufacture, which I'm sure you'll talk about um, your satellites. Mm -hmm. So the, so then the question is like, if the carriers have this spectrum, they're putting it in the phones. 
The other alternative, which is what Apple talked about, is you're taking a typically satellite spectrum and then putting it, adding it to the device. And I think a lot of people thought that you'd have to put a lot more componentry in there to make that work. And I think it feels like that there was surprise that Apple was able to it seemingly um, accomplish this across all of their devices without additional component trees, antennas, or and, and basically utilize satellite spectrum. So talk to us about the difference between using satellite dedicated spectrum versus your strategy and what AST um, is, is, is talking about, which is using spectrum that's licensed to operators around the world and already in phones, as you pointed out. Let me talk first about what we're doing and I'll talk about the unique use case that uh, Apple and Global Star, they got kind of lucky. Right, uh, they're kind of like an in-between that uh, solved some problems, got lucky. Um, so we invented uh, a whole new way uh, of uh, sharing spectrum that's already in the phone, that's already licensed to mobile network operators like Verizon and AT&T, right? And we, we have proven over the last three years of testing from space, proven we could light up that spectrum that's already in the phone from space without causing harmful interference. And the easiest way I have to share with this is uh, how do you do that with cause, without causing harmful interference? So it's all laid out in our, on our very detailed uh, FCC license application that was approved last week. Mm -hmm. And, but uh, it's, it's kind of, uh, reminds me of a, a, an old movie, star, science fiction movie, some of you may have watched, called The Wrath of Khan, Star <laughs> Trek II. And there's a, there's a great scene in this where, where it's Kirk, I mean, uh, Captain Kirk is asking Spock for his, you know, about this Khan guy who's a genius. And, and, and uh, Spock goes, has a has classic line, he says, he exhibits two-dimensional thinking. Um, so we all have two-dimensional thinking. Our two-dimensional thinking for our mobile phone is you have ground-based cell towers that kind of transmit side to side, right? Mm -hmm. And they overlap with layers, cells. They're layered cells. Now, if you think about it, they've already worked out the rules by which one cell can overlap another cell without causing harmful interference. And they call it power flux density. You have a power flux density limit of how much overlap you can have from one cell to another. Which sounds like a component from Back to the Future, the power flux capacitor. Yeah, it sounds like that, but it's just how much energy you're transmitting over the UHF spectrum without knocking you off on, you know, and losing connection. And, and so they have a limit on how much energy you can transmit at, you know, at, at, in these overlapping cells. So if you think about it and you think about it in three dimensional, we're just beaming down from earth and we're gonna overlap as well. As long as our overlapping energy does not exceed those same rules, we, we, uh, we, we follow the same design guidelines for not mm -hmm. causing harmful interference. So we followed that. And over the last several years, we tested for since starting in 2019, and we had mobile network operators watching to see over the eastern United States, watching to see if we were starting to knocking phones off the network, and they saw no harmful interference. So for our, so for our listeners, in, let me in let me. Theory, oh, sorry, yeah. Walter. In theory, we we showed how it works, and in empirically with testing, we proved we were right. So when 
for listeners that are, might be more familiar with terrestrial networks, they've heard of a layer cake, <clears throat> whereas you've got a macro tower than a small cell. However, I think the macro, in, in the case of the layer cake, which Neville from T-Mobile will talk about, the macro tower will have low band frequencies, and then the small cells will have different frequencies, meaning that there won't be this kind of overlay. So yeah. your point is that you're going to use these low band frequencies. That's what's going into your satellites from 600 to 900, I believe. That's considered low band. That's the coverage stuff. You're going to go up in space, and but you're still going to be raining this signal down on, there's going to be macro towers there. And your point is that you can, you believe that you can still accomplish this without creating interference, not only to the carrier whose spectrum that you're using, but right. any adjacent spectrum. Meaning that if you're, you, if, if Verizon's using your, or you're, if you're using Verizon spectrum, 800 megahertz, whatever it is to deliver this service, and they're in this channel here, that that won't interfere with AT&T who's next to them or T-Mobile who might be 100 megahertz away and seven megahertz. And so is that a difficult accomplishment because clearly operators are going to the FCC and saying, no, 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 you can't do that. You're going to interfere with us. Please stop what you're doing. And, and I'm sure they've done the same thing to ST, AST. And I, I know T-Mobile yeah, has- this, it's, To be clear, they didn't do that. That's, okay. the, uh, that's the, the dog that didn't bark. We applied for our commercial license. If any, if Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile didn't like it, they would have objected. Now they've objected to some of my competition. Yes, they did not. They had a chance to object to Link, uh, our application, and did not. But why um, is that? What what spectrum have you suggested that that you, that you plan to use in the U.S.? So in six seventeen to nine sixty is what we applied for. Now what just, we just just that it would work anywhere within there, not that you're specific. Like, and and so, so what our plan, which mm -hmm. we've also been very clear, we're very consistent with this, and the FCC knows this. We will not come and apply for any spectrum without the MNO partner who already has the license to the spectrum. Got it. When we have a U.S. carrier as a partner, right. We will go to the FCC together with them. And so this it's a very simple But isn't but isn't that precisely why you might not have been challenged? For example, if AST has AT&T as their partner, then right. at the time I believe T-Mobile and Verizon challenged it, which is ironic because then T-Mobile well, didn't gonna, challenge that. They didn't. They didn't okay. challenge that AST can do testing with AT&T. They don't intrude on each other's. That's AT&T's right. Okay. They, they consider they have a type of de facto property right. They okay. don't want anybody else intruding on their right. They got they did an objection. If you go back and read um, what was said, they objected to AST asserting changes to their spectrum without their permission. Okay. Right. You nobody goes and tells the FCC what the rules of my spectrum should be. That it you were you you went over the line. And so they they that was kind of like uh, they had to withdraw their entire thesis because they didn't understand how how the game is played. Now, Link never. Who, who, who's that. the they that didn't understand that you're talking about? Well, T-Mobile and Verizon. Okay, I'm, AST. Right, so, got it. Okay, so they had to withdraw that. So, but Link has never done that. We are we are positioning ourselves as the as the trusted partner of MNOs. Right, we are. We are going to do this in complete partnership with them. We are going to only light up their spectrum where they want it and when they want it. It's their spectrum. It's not ours. Uh, we will put beams down. We're, we're like American Tower in space, right? Where do you want it? Our job is to help you connect your subscribers with your spectrum.
Right. So your point is that any mobile network operator around the world where your Leos are, you know, over time, you're going to get more and more that that own spectrum within this six to 900 megahertz band, if they want to come to you and they say, hey, the regulators say it's okay to use this. We it's, want, we. it's much different than that, Walter. The regulators have been beating up the operators to, to uh, fill in all the black spots. The regulators mm -hmm. for years are saying, what do we need to do to make you do this? And sometimes they try to force them. Sometimes they try to subsidize it or, you know, so there's the $9 billion Rural Development Opportunity Fund. So they're doing all kinds of things for this public resource spectrum that's been sometimes auctioned off or granted to an MNO. It's like, what do we need to do to fill in all the black spots? And we have used technology to solve a huge problem that many thought was unsolvable. And, and they don't have to subsidize it at all. All they have to do is grant the license for what they've been beating up MNOs for decades about. And your view is that from your constellation that if AT&T, if AT Verizon, and, and T-Mobile, all of which have spectrum within the six to 900 band, all decide that they would like to have connectivity to your constellation, that you can handle all three of them? Eventually your... in the long term. But if, okay, so if, if it's not so- we're if... a small company and we're growing, we will have a capacity limit. And whoever whoever we partner with first gets kind of market advantage because we're going to go with them. Okay. Because, so they they will then have that advantage for some time until more capacity. So so being a realist on this is let's say ABC carrier signs up with you first in a country, the other carrier carriers recognize that that's going to provide that carrier with an advantage. Isn't there going to be the risk where the, the, the remaining two or three or even four carriers, depending on the market, are going to go to the regulator and assert that, no, don't let them do this is terrestrial spectrum. Don't let them do this. This is going to create interference. Okay. So this is the very interesting argument. We, this, we've already played this rule book. It failed. Echostar and, and uh, Iridium and others objected to us and they basically said, don't let this isn't cause interference. But the MNOs didn't bark. The dog did not bark. And so the FCC, who's the gold standard of regulators, said mm -hmm. this is in the public interest. And they 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 understood the objections for what they were was competitors worried about uh, about losing a you know letting a, an innovative fast moving sure. innovator get an advantage over them and trying to slow them down so they could catch up. And the FCC, they're smart. They did all their analysis. They said there's no basis for this. And now, so when we go to another market, it's going to be a replay of this. We, mm -hmm. we go in with MNOA to the regulator who wants ubiquitous service in the country. It's in the public interest. They say, you know what? That's your spectrum. You want to risk interference. That's, that's your risk to take. Um, it's a business risk. We trust that you, you, we've already, you've already done the testing and showed us it works. And guess what? The FCC said that they've already signed off on this, that they're, they, they've done the deep analysis. FCC is really good at what they do. You say this is good. This is really, we agree this could save lives. And somebody objects on that. It's it just comes off as sour grapes, right? Now, so if I, but if in I look the at long the, term, we're yep. going to, we're going to provide services, you know, for all the MNOs. We're, you know, we're not going to give anybody some permanent preference. 
And so the, 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 the risks that an, that an MNO takes in complaining is, uh, you know, maybe we choose MNO number two in that country and it's not them either. So they really, we're going to build this as fast as we can and scale up. So everybody, you know, our vision again, the end state is everybody stays connected everywhere. So that means we serve all MNOs at the end state. Understood. So let's talk about the FCC approval, because I think when I read that, and I'm certainly not a, you know, a regulatory lawyer, but I thought it was for the first 10. Um, and did it specifically enable you to connect to phones in the U.S.? Can you just describe to us like no, what we they- didn't, well, first of all, we didn't apply for the phones in the U.S. So our thesis, again, okay. we don't go to any country for landing rights until we have the MNO in hand. And we will come back to the U.S. when we have a U.S. MNO in hand. So we just. So what was the FCC approving if it wasn't? They were approved our operator's license and our 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 TTNC backhaul, and that we that uh, we had demonstrated that uh, we could do this without harmful interference because they you know we provided that as part of the analysis. Right. So when we get back to the and that it was in the public interest, they basically they very clearly said we we have decided this is in the public interest to to have to have this service. Understood. But ultimately, for my AT and T or Verizon or T Mobile or any phone to operate in the U.S. connected to a satellite, that's different usage than that license is currently um, licensed for. So there will be an incremental FCC approval required, whether it's from you or AST or whoever um, pursues this type of strategy. Okay. So, and, and so, the, so to the extent that no one has fully- and, and just to be clear, there is so much demand for connectivity among, you know, in America that uh, anybody saying don't do this is basically in the position of saying, I don't care if someone dies, you know, next <laughs> year, you know, it's like, that's not a good, that's not a good look, right? So any of our competitors saying, yes, we, we you know, AT&T or T-Mobile or Verizon shouldn't be allowed to, they, they spent billions for this spectrum at auction. They shouldn't be allowed to decide for themselves. We're smarter than them. Right. You should limit limit them, even though someone might die. That is not a good look on anybody. I, I agree with you. Unfortunately, you know, having done this on the terrestrial wireless side for, you know, a length of time, maybe not as long as you, I've seen plenty of things that the FCC has dragged their feet on um, right. that were not necessarily in the public interest and you know made the, the, the companies look bad. Let's, let's kind of move on in terms of, is there anything about how you're doing it that your confidence in being able to get through these regulatory process, whether it's the U.S. or elsewhere, is going to be different than you're, you're just paving the road for AST and and for if, if Elon actually you know pursues this with midband spectrum to do the same thing. Like, is there you're you're the the kind of the early leader in getting the regulatory, and then it's going to be hard for these same regulators to stop everyone that's doing this strategy. Everybody's got a slightly different situation. So, um, you know, we are paving the way on some parts of it. You know, uh, know, SpaceX has picked, you know, Elon has picked a battle with Charlie Ergen. You know, he's going after his spectrum. He's going after Global Star Spectrum. So he's he's got a big fight on mobile satellite service spectrum with each of them. And then he's got to get it all put in the phone. So he's got a he's got a lot of battles ahead of him on that on that front. And uh, so um, everybody's got slightly different things. Um, AST has a has has their own problems. I'll um, you know 
you know, I just, I generally uh, let them uh, go solve their problems. I'll focus on mine. So, so what is the ultimate, let's go back to the very first question. What do you size as the ultimate revenue opportunity? Cause if you look at some of these initial agreements, again, it's for limited um, capabilities. We can talk about, you know, the Apple thing is like, you're not actually texting with someone, you're just sending a, an emergency message, but the revenue associated with it is, you know, a couple hundred million dollars. Um, what do you see as the revenue opportunity for someone that can offer this type of connectivity to operators around the world? Well, let me first say that I think it's tremendous what Apple's done. Our, I, you know, Link is on a mission to use space to benefit people here on Earth, and so we should, you know, there it it it's just morally wrong that anybody with a phone in their pocket in, in a few years is is uh, dies because they have their phone in their pocket. That shouldn't happen. I'm glad Apple is using that. I hope a lot of people buy their phone, but it's very limited. It's Apple's done as a wonderful service. They've all they've done is what everybody's appetite when so that just to be clear, the iPhone 14, it's not the iPhone 13 or 12 or 11. Mm -hmm. We'll have emergency texting capability. It'll, it's going to save and, lives. It's one right. way messaging. One way. And, right. That's key. I don't think a lot of people understand. I don't see anything. I've been looking deeply. I, I agree with you. It looks like one way messaging. You're going to send an emergency message and you don't know if it got through. And let's say you're in trouble and you say the next thing, I'm going to send the message and now I'm going to go look for help. And you go, oh, no, maybe I need to stay here because I just sent a message. What to you, that location, your right. phone sent the location where you're at. You right. can't so move. You go, oh, now you got a, a catch 22. I can't go. I, I might die because I'm standing here rather than go look for help. Right. You know, so, you know what else is fascinating about this is my understanding is if you look at Global Star Spectrum, L band is the spectrum that's getting used to send the message from the phone to the satellite. So there was a lot of discussion of the fact that the S band was included, which is the stuff near Wi-Fi, was right. included in the phone. But the description of the service was, as you pointed out, one way. I'm just sending one message to a satellite that's going to a call center that's saying, I have this person's location information. There's no reverse. Right. And all these emergency responders, if you know an emergency responder, ask them. They want to call you back. Ask, answer me this. How many teenage boys are going to be hanging out in group and their buddy leaves the phone out? And while they're not looking, sends an emergency text message on their phone and thinks it's funny and then and like gets their buddy in trouble. And then but it it wastes you're out in the middle of nowhere. They fly the yes. helicopter in and a dozen. They can't check if it's a I mean, I guess you could send a check. second text text and, if it's a false. Teenage boys do this, right? Well, look, the, at the end of the day, I'm sure that the to your point. Apple's wetting the appetite and that the end game is to obviously have two-way message. The way I've described Everybody, it is- No one's going to be satisfied with it. Everybody doesn't go, you can do this. Why can't I just text my my loved one? I'm going to be two hours late. Why can't I you know, text my, my friend, uh, where are you? And they got held up talking to somebody, right? There's going to be a million things people think about and they're going to want more. People, I love this Jeff Bezos quote, people are wonderfully never satisfied. Or they will want more. If so, Apple, I can see why they want this because if you buy an iPhone, let's assume that they progress the technologies where it's two way messaging. The example I give is I don't have coverage in my backyard. My Wi Fi doesn't even reach there. I want to send a text to my kid to like go get me a beer. And like you have that. There's, I can see, 
and just coverage, like just coverage. They're never the wireless operators are never going to get us that terrestrial coverage. Yeah. Um, if the device makers see advantage in this, why not have discussion with the owners of satellite spectrum? And while you're sending up your antennas that can handle 600 to 900, add satellite global connectivity. Then you don't have to deal with the network operators. Now you have rather Blake, than dealing. Blake knows how to do that, right? Say what? So the, the question is, what do you start with first? Right. So the, you have to wait years while Qualcomm or whomever the handset manufacturer wants to do the chips, um, you know, designs that spectrum in. You have to, you know, it takes years to do the chips and then you have to incorporate and test the phones. And then you got to build. But presumably, but presumably Apple has put I mean, I don't know this for a fact because it's not listed, but if it's one way and Global Star is the partner, then presumably L band is in the phone. So you have L band and S band, like why not partner with one of those spectrum owners so that so you can, is, you can so have two a, dual strategies. Another catch 22, everybody, okay. every satellite company in the world is who has some spectrum rights with mobile satellite service in particular is now jumping in and saying me too. Sure. So which one do you do? Do you do L band? You tell me. <laughs> You're the constellation. So, so, so the, uh, would you do any of them or would you just so want to stick well, with your the, six? If I'm a handset manufacturer, I wait until the world, I don't want to put a, the wrong chip in my phone and have the world mm -hmm. decide it's something else, right? Yep. Um, I'm I'm going to sit back. I'm going to watch Charlie Erg and EchoStar and Elon fight over the S-band spectrum. Well, I don't know. You know, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay. And so people are going to fight over L-band. Elon's already applied for the Global Star Spectrum, right? So th there's, there's going to be a big fight breakout. I'm going to sit back and wait and watch while people figure this out before I put it in the phone. While they're doing that, Link will be providing a service over UHF already. And when you figure it out, we, we will be mass producing satellite cell towers in space. We can do an easy switch out. Of our of the front end of our satellite, and we can do an L band version of our satellite or an S band version very easily. Okay. And, and so, so at some point during that, that process, if one of those spectrum bands emerges or someone comes to you with a good deal, then maybe yeah. Apple says to you, like, look, we want you to use this spectrum. So let's talk about the spectrum depth. Maybe maybe Apple and Global Star come to us and say, Well, you want it, you know, we want you to do the next generation, or any Understood. of the satellite companies have spectrum. We're having conversations like that. I would just think you'd want to do that now and design it into the constellation before it gets launched, as opposed to, you know, after the fact. But I guess, you know, it depends on the lifespan of the of the satellites. And we'll get to your the size of your satellites versus AST and others later in terms of longevity. What about the depth of the spectrum? There's criticism that maybe 10 megahertz is not enough. When when you're six to nine hundred, how much spectrum are you utilizing how much speed do you think you can ultimately get to um, in delivering to individual handsets well i think you the the implied question there the more spectrum you have the sure more speed you have to handset the more capacity is that wrong and, no not at all so okay. that uh, so the you know we're constantly asked like uh, well how much speed do you have and well mm -hmm. tell me tell me how spectrum we have and which generation of our satellite Mm -hmm. And and uh, ultimately, so can we, a, so can an operator give you thirty megahertz of spectrum, and you still utilize your constellation and not interfere with the existing wireless networks that's down there? So we can we can fill in black spots uh, in the existing spectrum, um, but the spectrum you know uh, you know has has some limitations. Um, you know when 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 we do that, 
It, uh, um, you know, if we get dedicated spectrum, it's better than sharing spectrum. Mm-hmm. So uh, over time, we we would like to to other spectrum, but we're we figured out how to make a good business over sharing spectrum in the, in the interim. Right, and, and well, that so gets me back to right the satellite version. If, if someone's got depth of spectrum in L band and S band, maybe that can be a, a thicker. Yeah, service. We're, we are we are talking to many different players okay. who have spectrum about how we use our technology to light up their spectrum. Let's move on to the to um, your your satellites, your strategy versus Elon versus AST versus um, you know even Global Star. I, I think the numbers I have. I'm not a metric guy, <laughs> but I think the numbers are um, that your satellites are 50 kilograms, and which I, th- I guess is pretty small because that compares to AST, which I believe is 1500 kilograms, which is like over a ton. And has very large antennas. I think Elon, when he talked about it with T-Mobile, also talked about massive satellites because he's going to need the big fat rocket um, to get them up there. So, talk to us about like why. I would think that if you're trying to communicate with a tiny little phone on Earth, that just in my brain, the AST or Elon make more sense because it, it would have to be massive to pick up that signal. Why is how is it that you're not but- using? The- so you you don't need the massive satellite to pip up the signal. You need the massive satellite to get to the end state that I I, I stated. Okay. Right? We, we're building on our roadmap much bigger satellites. Got it. But we think it's crazy to start there. We think okay. it's you know you need ten billion dollars to to start there, and the right way to do this is so the. I, I look at what they're doing is they're saying they're, they're Gordon Moore and Andy Grove in 1972. They've just invented the, 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 inter, the uh, integrated circuit and the microprocessor. And, and some guy says, let's go build the Pentium. That's a bad strategy. What you should do is go build the 8086, make a bunch of money on it, build the 286, make money on that, build the 386, and, and step by step, build your way up to the Pentium. And so, yes, we can build the Pentium of satellites today. That doesn't mean it's a good strategic decision. And so we're starting with what we think is the right first step where we're going to get a bunch of money off that. And we're going to then build the next generation, which is bigger and faster and more capacity. And step by step, we will get to satellites that do essentially broadband to your phone everywhere. Got it. And being that large, like a fifteen hundred kilograms or whatever it is, with these massive, I, 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 I think there's other problems with that. Um, you know, I don't know of anybody in the world that's a who's who's building those largest satellites. I, I actually think something closer to what Elon's talking about with his Gen Two is it makes more sense to us. Um, and uh, so, you know. In that you know he's Elon seems to re- have reinvented um, or, or reimagined strategically everything that's on the link roadmap. So we we're, we think that's a much better you know path forward. Okay, so I get that. Like, okay, don't build this massive thing right away. Kind of learn as you go and build it. And same thing. Like, if you're going to send up new satellites, maybe that's when you add additional spectrum. Um, but it still has to work out of the gate. So when, like, what is the service for your initial, whatever, 10 satellites that someone can expect? Is it send and receive? What type of speeds? 
how's the how is the reliability so what we're doing and uh we we've been very clear about this for the last four or five years there's so much demand out there you need to you need to do something that gives everybody some connectivity to start with that shares the limited capacity as you start mm-hmm. uh, and the right way to do that is with messaging and uh elon maybe was persuaded by our logic uh and or his people um you know suggested it and he was persuaded by it but uh you know that's the right way to go you start with messaging it is the most ubiquitous used app in the phone and by far more than any other use of the phone messaging is the number one and it's also the best use of of a scarce spectrum when you have limited capacity you can with a five minute voice call you can do about five thousand text messages in the same right. capacity it's the best way to start and, and I think I would be happy to, I, if you can deliver that to me, that's an incremental service that I think a lot of wireless users would be thrilled to be able to use. Again, not in a, hey, you're going to send a 911 emergency vehicle to my house, but just to tell someone when I'm right. out of. So well, the, uh, it, the thing to understand, this is Clayton Christensen 20 years ago in his innovator's dilemma. Any, you know, there's huge latent demand. So in a spot where you have zero communication, you have what we call zero G, mm-hmm. you get any communication, it's infinitely better than nothing, right? It can save your life. It's, 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 it, it gives you 80% of everything you need with, with 10% of the work. Just getting a beer sometimes with this case is not always the emergency use. However, so the question is on your test, um, satellites thus far. Have you been able to send and receive a full message and it to an unimproved smartphone? Oh, absolutely. Okay. We, we started doing it last year. And yeah, is there we're uh we've been doing it with all kinds of different devices. We're the first, we're the first company in the world to send and receive a message from space to an iPhone, right? We're the first company in the world to send and receive a message to a Samsung phone or a Google phone. We've done it. We've been we've been connecting to John Deere tractors on the ground with their exit and and cars, right? So can you uh, describe the 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 latency and what you have to do in terms of being under a tree or not under a tree? Just give us the full experience in terms of how that would work. Well, at UHF, for, for the initial for the initial satellites, right? Trees, UHF is not a problem, right? We've actually I mean Elon suggested he can get it into your pocket and he's and with mid-band spectrum. Your phone, like they literally on on the on the stage with Mike Sievert of T-Mobile. Yeah, I saw. So don't don't you know Elon talks about Hyperloop too. Remember Hyperloop? So don't just because he talks about talks, a lot of things. So right, from, from your standpoint, he's great. He's a great marketer. So um, you know, just uh, you know, eventually, yes, uh, you know, but uh, not with our existing uh, Gen One system. We it's not going to be in your pocket. But so yeah, for the Gen One system, do I have to do I have to wait? How do I know if it's sent? How long does it take for it to actually send? Because it's obviously you're storing it and you're waiting until you have an earth station to deliver it. And then I have to wait for another set. So give me the full kind of in the in Gen 1. Depends if the person you're connected to is also connected to our satellite at the same time. Let's you know, assume that that's not the case. If you're hiking together, right, and you're five miles apart, you, you can con- you communicate, you know, when, you know, very quickly. So, uh, but uh, a lot of people. Because you're saying it would just bounce up and down from the satellite. I get that. I don't think. If there's a ground station in connection while in range, it's, it's it depends how far the ground station is away. 
So it goes up to the satellite, goes which down. is money. Ground stations are money in terms of yeah. building this. Okay. That you know you can do ground station as a service. So we we have multiple providers of ground stations as a service. So um, you know so well that that is money. There is some capex, but it's not uh, compared to the value of the service. It's it's relatively small. So if we just look at your. Um, I mean, it's three satellites. I mean, what what do you consider phase one? Like, what are you funded to do in terms of initial satellites? Well, we've already, you know, have one in orbit that's right. commercially authorized. We have the next three commercial satellites already built, ready to launch. Yep. Um, and our plan is to finance the next fifty and start launching them next year. And and uh, you know, with uh, with fifty satellites in orbit. Um, we we everything we show with the amount of messaging in the world and the MNO contracts we validated what people will pay MNOs yep. will pay for this show this grows to a billion dollar business based on just uh, our Series B you know a hundred million dollar investment gets you a a billion dollar a year business that that grows into a billion dollar a year business so, and the series the Series B is something you're working on now or. We're, yeah, we're in active discussions with many different strategics as right. as well as financial investors. Which compares to AST, which I think has raised north of $400 million. Um, so is part of um, succeeding in the space, um, not in pun not intended, um, getting the capital to get enough um, well, satellite? You need the capitals, but sometimes having too much money gives you bad habits, right? Okay. Um, the fact that we had to invent this technology and innovate, and we've you know built nine and launched six in orbit, um, with the amount of money have me, me, means we've been very innovative and mm -hmm. uh, and very scrappy about how do you do this. So um, sometimes having too much money is 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 a problem. Okay, but that's fair that someone can have too much money and maybe spend it. On... You're absolutely right. We need to raise more money. That's why right. we're talking to lots of investors right now. Got it. And then in terms of, um, I guess, you know, the timeline for, you know, where you see, you know, your service and the number of MVNOs that you've signed up, what should we think about when AST will say, hey, I've signed up X number of MNOs that cover X billion of pops and I compare it to yours, which is less. Look, I realize that not every agreement means much. Like an operator can say, well, sure. One distinction that I like using is, are they commercial contracts with revenue milestones and payments in it? All We don't talk about MOUs and agreements. MOUs and agreements, the moment you hear that word, you say, well, what do you mean by that? And Correct. so um, we only, I have probably 50 MOUs and agreements, but I never talk about that anymore. I, we have 17 commercial contracts uh, providing for contracted service in 37 countries. And those contracts- and covering, are, and covering like what, 300 million pops, something like that? Well, I don't know the number of pops, um, right. but uh, you but know- the, But your point is that this is not like someone saying that, look, hey, if you launch it, sure, I'll buy capacity. This is, these people have committed to right. pay you revenue when you deliver on yes. launching the, and the service. And we've agreed on the pricing, right? They're and do they pay you that revenue based on the usage of their end customers? Or is it based on, hey, you've now lit up this coverage, so I'm going to pay you X million a year because I can tell all my customers that their phone right. is going to work in this so area. How do those contracts do, work? We do two different types of contracts. 
One of them is uh, revenue share, where, where their MO partner wants to sell a premium service. Like when you travel overseas as a US citizen, it's generally, you know, 10 bucks a day overseas. That's a day pass you can do. And so lots of MOs like selling day passes and week passes and month passes. So we do a revenue share. We, we get the majority of the revenue. We, we've uh, in all our, uh, every contract that's been that. And then if it's, some of them are usage-based, which uh, you pointed out, some of them want to do like um, T-Mobile does and Uncarrier. They want to give away the service for free. So getting a percentage of free doesn't do us any good. Right. In those cases, we have negotiated a usage rate and and they'll pay us what you know when the uh, their subscriber uses it send, getting or sending receiving or sending they they pay us either way um, do you have the, we negotiate do, that. and do you have the ability just even functionally to say when the customer's out of range hey if you want to if you want to connect connect to us and they pay you directly or does it always have to be through the carrier where the carrier says you're we're now never, so we're we're never going to do it directly we're never. We're our whole positioning is we're never going to take your subscribers away. We don't want to. You've done all the hard work. You have to. You sign them up. They come to you when you have a problem with your phone. They you bill them. You're great at that. We don't want to yeah. do that. Um, so, we're never going to do that. We're never going to be co in competition with you. So, so what does the end user see? Let's assume that one of the carriers says, "Use our spectrum." I go into Utah or wherever. I'm not in coverage what do I see that I know if I'm using salad or do I not see it? I just, it well, just, it will work that. So, you know, there's one way for you to tell um, when you're, you're signed up is at the top of your phone. There's usually some at the top left, uh, they'll have uh, some signal of like it's 2G or 3G or LTE or the carrier, you know, the, the cell tower gets to, put that down link can put that down so it could, it's whatever we decide to put that mm -hmm. down so you know what type of coverage you're getting at the time got it and then it just works or is it are you gonna have to basically acknowledge that hey because i mean aside from the cost let's assume the operator is willing to eat the cost for the consumer right i don't want my phone randomly connecting to satellites only because no matter what you tell me about technology right like it's going to burn battery it's like whenever i'm far away from a cell site i'm going to burn more battery than not so if i don't well, want that has because your phone is searching for a tower and doesn't know one's there and it's correct and it surges powers like well i don't see one i'll search power maybe i'll find one right and so when our satellites are up you'll see the tower and you won't surge it'll save your battery Right. It actually stops that problem. Got it. So, again, for for the end user, are they just not going to have to approve it? It's just going to happen if if well, the underlying. On, uh, it depends on what the carrier wants. We right. work if if you if you wanted to be the person that enables this and says you're out of coverage, but you can like click on it. Let's say there's some retail guy that wants to come to you as a front end. Can, can you enable it that way, or does it always have to be billed basically through the carrier? Well, we can do an MVNO type relationship, and then in which case the MVNO doesn't bring Spectrum to the table. We still have to have a carrier that says, "Oh, we're fine doing roaming for this MVNO, right?" So yep. we we need to we need had to have. There's a three-legged stool here. Somebody brings the satellite infrastructure. Somebody brings the Spectrum. Somebody brings the subscriber. In most cases, this the MNO brings Spectrum and the subscriber. But you could. 
easily envision an MVNO that doesn't have spectrum, and and then a, a spectrum provider. Maybe it's another MNO that just says you can roam on our on our spectrum, and you could do a deal that way too. So we're coming up in our last um, couple of minutes here. For those in the audience that have questions, feel free to put them into the Q and A box or or send them um, to me directly. I think there's probably a, a chat you can send them to me directly. Um, but again, coming back to the the market size opportunity, I want to just keep hitting on that. Like you have these seventeen contracts, so you must have some sense of what the revenue opportunity is. Like ultimately, what is the TAM? You know, because this is a truly global opportunity. Like, what is the TAM in terms of of revenue? And and when you state numbers, like, does it imply ever displacing? you know, portions of the carrier network. I mean, there's some people out there that would think that like, oh shit, maybe, you know, Apple's trying to do an end around right. on the carriers. So same thing for you is like, you know, is there a, any end around opportunity here? Well, um, there obviously is end around opportunities, but uh, some people are going to do that. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, that they, people, some people like the direct consumer. We, we actually think we, we don't want to do that at all. Um, and you that, have to because you have to partner with carriers, right? To, to use their spectrum. Carriers, but it's yeah. great business for us. They, you know, it's, it takes a lot of money to sign up a subscriber and and take their phone calls and teach them how to use the phone. And when it's not working, you know, they or, or the phone is it needs problems. They need somebody to help them. Carriers do that. That yep. is a huge amount of subscriber acquisition and maintenance costs. That every dollar we spend on that comes out of our bottom line. And so this is a, a great partnership with, with Link by being a wholesale provider and only being a wholesale provider, you know, and being the, the, uh, the provider that traders can trust, right? That uh, we're not going to do that. So that's our commitment is we're, we're never going to do that. So, and it's good business for us. It's, it's a win-win with, with mobile network operators and Link. So with these 15 contracts, 17 contracted MNOs, um, who what is the- What I can say is uh, we value those uh, based on an independent mobile network operator is, uh, who's uh, has looked that we're in discussions with uh, as uh, based on their analysis and methodology is over $2 billion in contracts. There you go. For the entire market. For the, no, for those 17 countries. Oh, for the 17, okay. The entire market- is, I mean, that seems like a very so, uh, the, high the, number. The, well, this is what you have to remember that, yeah. you know, when you start with a $1 trillion a year industry, which is mobile wireless, of which $900 billion is services, yep. and there's a huge problem, black spots, and you solve that huge problem in a trillion dollar year. Right, the price per. You get a big town. Yeah. This is what people still, I, I still people, people have a hard time uh, recognizing this. This is mm -hmm. going to grow to be the largest category in the entire satellite industry because it's not really satellite. It's really mobile wireless in a market with 5 billion users. There is no other category of satellite service that has 5 billion users, let alone 500 million or 100 million, right? right? This is much larger global problem. We all are part of this market. And, and so it means it's a lot bigger. And, and so when you roll up the numbers, even using like an ARPU, 
of, of a, a dollar a month or 50 cents a month or $5 a month or $10 a month in developed countries, but smaller in these developing, the numbers get big really quick. This is a this is a hundred, we think it's a really ultimately, now we're not going to capture all this. There's lots of people going to capture the value, but as we think it's a three to $400 billion total addressable market, but that's shared among MNOs. I mean, so that, and that's a, that's an interesting question, what you just said, like, you don't think that this is, or I mean, I'm not going to lead the witness. Do you think <laughs> this is a market that only one constellation, one company addresses because i mean earlier you were saying like anybody i don't think anybody accepts that the mobile network operators just like they like two big tower companies right right they're going to want at least you know right so getting back to your point before where where i was saying like okay if if, let's say t-mobile might challenge ast because at&t is going to go first well they're T-Mobile, if they're going to get hop on SpaceX and Verizon's going to hop on you, like you can have three different, two different, three different, maybe four different constellations right. servicing different operators and, in and the market. And they'll all be amazingly profitable because the TAM is so large and there's so much need. People are going to be building out into this need for years. So when again, so the second part of that question is when you've identified the TAM, let's say it's large. What are the services are we talking about? Is this beyond messaging? Like how far oh, do you think it so gets? The, the, the the this goes to again everybody nobody's going to be satisfied until you can do almost everything i'm i expect on my phone that you're going to want to have the equivalent of the broadband certain you're going to want voice and data in your phone so your favorite apps you can do wherever you are and so there's going to be demand for that and it's going to grow i talked to a um a wall street analyst firm uh, about a month ago who shared with me that they'd done a survey of 5,000 US citizens um, to try to figure out what people were willing to pay and where was max revenue. And they were shocked to find out that it was, it was um, you know, 15 or $20 a month people were willing to pay was max revenue, right? Uh, that uh, were kept on raising the price to like evaluate people where max revenue, it was, it was, a, lar- it was a large amount. So people are willing to pay for this. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so it is a, um, you know, if you think about why is Verizon, the, why did they grow to be the number one carrier in the United States? It's because they had the best coverage. Right. Which is now commoditized. So if one of these guys can increase coverage in those areas, which, again, to me, right. is the hammock in the backyard. It's the soccer field, which I'm too lazy to try and connect to the cable right. Wi-Fi hotspot that may or may not be there. There's coverage that they never so, can accomplish. So uh, AT&T or Verizon wants to charge you 25 cents to send a message. People will pay that. No, right? I, don't, I don't disagree with that. It's just whether we can get there technically. Let's talk about my milestones uh, obviously we've answered that we know how to do it technically now it's just growing into the market who gets there first so let's talk about the milestones the, the raising the money is obviously a key one let's assume that that you get a hundred million dollar check tomorrow of the of the contracted mnos where is the first market that we can buy an operator's phone and and test your service out which which country and which which mno well, we're we haven't announced which one's coming first. Okay. Um, but uh, probably for for you, Walter, since you're in the East Coast, it'll probably be a, a fly down to the Bahamas. One of our first announced MNOs we've done is alive in the Bahamas, mm-hmm. and uh, that will probably be uh, where you'll have the easiest first, and you'll you'll get to write off the expense of traveling the Bahamas. <laughs> and, and what's is the 
when you light that, how many satellites do you want to have? Because whatever whatever you choose as the first market, you want to have it, you know, your first impression be a good one. Mm -hmm. How many how many um, satellites do you feel like some MNOs want to wait till we have more satellites up? Some of them are fine. Forget about forget about the future. Just in the near, if I'm looking for your near term milestones, yeah, the number of satellites. Our next milestone is to launch the next three satellites. We'll have four up, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. And uh, with that, you can do some uh, some some. You can do Internet of Things. You can do rural remote communications for people who have lots of disconnectivity that they'll be connected, you know, five, six times a day um, and send and receive messages. And you'll have emergency alerts. Right. Uh, You know what's going on in Puerto Rico right now? How many people were in a remote area didn't get the notice that uh, to take cover because these hurricanes are coming? We're we're getting in hurricane season Mm -hmm. and we could send emergency alerts to people in an area and say, you have 24 hours before this huge storm is going to blow through. You, yep. better, you better do something about it. But the 100 million would get you um, runway to how many satellites? And then well, 100 million is about 50 satellites. Okay. And so that then gets, uh, that, that grows very quickly to very high EBITDA margins, positive cash flow uh, after we get the satellites launched. And, and uh, we're in charge of our own destiny. We're very, and, quickly, very. And do, do you need the first full 50 to kind of have a more robust um, tech? Like, so when I go to the Bahamas that I can send texts back and forth, like what is that number of satellites that needs to be launched? But about 50 satellites gives us what we call seamless messaging. Got it. There's where it's the periods between them are very, very. Uh, so let's know. assume you get the hundred million by the end of the year. How quickly do you think you can get the 50 birds in the air? Oh, gosh. Um, we start. You know, our supply chain from ordering parts to start uh, to finishing construction takes about six months and then, uh-huh. you know, and then start launching them. So got it. So it's about a year, let's say, for a launch. So maybe best case scenario, we're talking like end of 23, early 24, that I go to the Bahamas and have good um, SMS service. Yeah, you should book a flight now. <laughs> it's already hard to get flights. Mm. Um, all right. I think we're almost at an hour. Was there anything that we didn't cover that, that you think is important in, when we're evaluating either the opportunity, the revenue opportunity, or, or at least the competition that's in the market? Um, I'd just like to say, I think this is, this is uh, again, uh, you know, the Link's biggest problem for the last several years is people said, you know, does it work? Do you really? And, and, you know, this is, you know, they just didn't believe it in their gut, even if I could show them the engineering and that unless they had enough engineering expertise. So that question is now off the table. Uh, and the next question is, this is really a big market now that Apple and SpaceX are jumping in and everybody else, everybody says this is a huge market and all our all our competitors are agreeing, right? This is a huge market. So we're years ahead of everybody else. We're while everybody's talking about what they one day might do or want to do, Link is going to be doing it. And and people really don't care whose name is on the satellite. They just want the service. In fact, many of them down the road, years from now, people won't even realize they're staying connected everywhere because of satellite. Right. It'll be it. it, They just don't care. They just I'm connected everywhere. They they uh, people don't know now that they're connected by satellite by GPS. 
right? I mean, this Apple announcement might be the best thing that could happen to you because I think the operators are like, look, I want to be the guy with the differentiation of the coverage. I don't want Apple out there saying like, I've got the differentiation, not the operator. So it probably helps to your point, you know, get people focused on the potential size in the market. And now it's just about, I guess, financing and execution, right? So uh, we'll be watching. It's all now about execution, right? Uh, Before we broke down the barrier of like, was this even possible, right? And we did it and uh, had the indisputable existence proof that we've been doing it and persuaded everybody else to jump in. Awesome. Charles, thank you much, uh, very much for taking the time. And thanks everyone else um, for joining for this latest edition of Light Shed Live. This, oh, well, hold on for one second. Before we go, there might be one Q&A. Oh, nope. There's someone thanking you saying it's a fascinating discussion. Yes, I agree. Um, this will be available for replay. Um, we will send out that uh, those links later. Charles, thanks again and have a great week. Thanks, Walter.